ஜிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கி
Working with batteries that, of course, are, you know, were to be flown in a human-operated space flight was a very interesting and exciting opportunity for you, I believe. And you, and you took that very seriously. And that's where everything kind of stemmed from and, and things like that. Let me ask you where the interest really started from for you uh, with this particular aspect that you're dealing with, which is, of course, lithium-ion batteries and safety for the same, uh, especially for NASA scientists. I think I was very uh, fortunate in many ways, uh, but the the part of it that actually came out was my interest to be independent and you know learn things. Um, in grad school, you know, I had that independence, and so I really uh, made use of that opportunity. For me, everything you know uh, is related to life. Anything that I learn in theory is related to life, and I also like to look at a problem which is very you know reflective of. Uh, what my kids did for science fair projects, you write, uh, you know, you write a hypothesis and then you kind of try to figure out whether your hypothesis was right. right. If not, you know, change paths, find out what happened and then you make a story out of it. And, uh, you know, once you have a free flowing story with a goal and the path to how you got to it, I think it really, uh, you know, convinces yourself as well as you're able to convince others of what you learned. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's the key to defining a problem and then working on it too. Are your kids very, do they get like cheap thrills to tell everybody and their friends, you know, hey, my mom's a pretty cool space scientist, like, you know, because of, <laughs> do they get a lot of cheap kicks uh, showing you off a little bit? I don't know. I hear a little bit here and there, but I think my husband shows me off more than ah, what I hear from the kids. That's a good <laughs> He's thing. He's pretty open about it. It's a very good thing. Okay, good, good, good. Fantastic. You know, of course, when you catch them in these in these instances, please put your collar up and be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty modest work. <laughs> you can do that. Um, all right. I want to get back to, of course, could you perhaps, you know, break down for us how this lithium ion battery is, you know, used in the mechanism of, or in the picture of, of NASA and its scientists out there. How are they fundamentally using the lithium ion battery? You know, NASA has a history of using uh, batteries that were um, in use at that time. So if you look at, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago, we had uh, primary lithium batteries, which are one-time use, and we also had silver zinc that were also mostly one-time use. And so that was used, uh, you know, for many decades, actually. Then nickel metal hydrides and some other aqueous systems like NICADs came into play. So we had a lot of batteries built with that chemistry especially for the astronaut suit and the instruments that they use and so on. And then lithium ion came along and I was actually very fortunate to certify the first camcorder battery that flew for uh, human rated missions. It right. was the first lithium ion battery that flew. Again, you know, like I said, I was just in the right time right place at the right time. Yeah. I had started working on lithium ion and when they hired me, I had some experience in it. So we started looking at putting lithium ion in space. Uh, as uh, you know, we've already talked about lithium ions do have a tendency to be unsafe if they're not designed or used correctly. And so uh, given the environment, we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it is safe for them to use and also provide all the capabilities for them to recognize if there's a, a thing going. So yeah. we did extensive testing. Right. Uh, and that was a history or uh, that was traditional for me throughout my career where I actually learned more than uh, what is needed. So mm. I was able to make judgments on safety because I was also responsible for um, approving all batteries that went for human rated missions. You know, so my research like, helped me with yeah. that. You know, I was just thinking, as you said this, your 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 research has to be 100% correct. Like all that, there cannot be a single 
room for data because it's not like you know i pick up a battery and put it in some of my equipment and then i don't know the worst that could happen is what it fries my equipment and then i can't use it anymore i get another replacement here lives are at stake much more on the line and yes. even you know if you look at i mean not only lives there's so much more that is at stake as yes. well right so yeah absolutely so there's so much mm-hmm. to kind of look at and over the years and you can correct me if i'm wrong at any stage in this you know the battery industry it's really really evolved it's changed we've you know we've started with now in lithium ion cells um in a portable manner if you look at aviation if you look at the automobile kind of space yes. and then of course now mm-hmm. space travel as well exponential yes. growth in the industry yes. and it really warrants that need to make sure safety and testing is like yes. 100% so when it came yes. to the gap that you were trying to fill right um mm-hmm. and yes. like how i think you you are a strong propagator of you know all the checks and all the data needs to pan out 100% not even a small room for error is yes. this something that say for example is ingrained in a lot of people who work in this field is there room to cut corners is there a possibility or because of the stringent rules in place it you know even if you want to you can't cut corners we always try to come to a compromise when it comes to you know safety because the more requirements you place on people the more expensive it gets and the more people start cutting corners so you've got to really i mean when we do our research we do the expansive thing right then we decide on what is really important for these people to do and especially when it comes to you know putting in a lot of money because the safety uh, process goes through at least 2 years of pan- reviews and so you want to make sure you provide them with the right guidance and so you know we we come to a compromise to be extremely safe but also not impose you know just science projects on them so that's a fine balance between uh, doing research and meeting standards right so you know you've got to make sure you take care of the important things but then you have to give some leeway on what is nice to know yeah. but it's not important for safety <laughs> yeah absolutely forgive me for asking but what it's been 21 years in science am i have i got that number right or no more? no 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 you're making me very young i'm it's been uh, 27 years since i finished my phd wow that's a- and the areas from uh, i guess from my undergrad right has been all in chemistry right so my my, my granddad's a chemistry yeah. chemistry man by the way i mean his his specialty was um, explosives actually oh, uh, nice. kind of doing the okay. opposite of what you do you prevent things from blowing up he wants to make things blow up uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean um, with with regards to you know you of course uh, studying and then taking up work and things like that and doing this phenomenal research and your phd and everything do you get this often where a lot of young women reach out to you and want to pursue their careers in science and do they speak to you about the same and how do you really approach a conversation with them uh, i think it all, every uh, situation is different uh, even mine you know i i'm pretty open to changes and uh, where the you know where my life takes me i think that's very important and not being not being very restrictive taking into consideration you know your your family situation and so on I think that's really important because I know there are certain women who uh, you know think that if you have a career you should not have family or you should not you know uh, take care of family and things like I that. I mean But you proved that true. wrong to be extremely honest. You proved that wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's very important you know uh, I uh, started traveling actually more after my kids got to a certain age. Super. Before that you know I spent a lot of time with them. but uh the 8 hours 8 to 8 and a half hours i spent at work was work i didn't you know stop at uh, water fountains to chat with people and things like that 
I was very friendly. I knew people. I knew their families. I knew their backgrounds. Uh, so that touch was always that the human touch. But I really didn't want to, you know, spend time just talking, uh, you know, things that are not important. So I was there for the family. The only criteria my husband had was don't travel when they have exams. <laughs> so, okay. And, and every time I traveled, I filled the fridge up with all the food that they needed. Right. So. Uh, it's just a fine balance. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's about enjoying balance. both. Uh, and I think that's what, and an important part is, you know, you've got to work it out with your family on what is important for you and the yeah. family and work it out, uh, you know, that way. Beautiful. I think you've, you've very eloquently put it, you know, with regards to, I just want to, before I get to my last question, another question that just kind of popped up in my head is, um, you know, compared to NASA and things like that, back home, ISRO, of course, making some phenomenal strides. And um, definitely when it comes to, say, for example, just doing things cheaper, ISRO mm-hmm. is is fantastic at that. So there are a lot of careers for, um, yes. for, for women, for young men out there in, you know, the wonderful area of space, specifically from an Indian perspective. Uh-huh. And I, I'm sure you can kind of weigh in on this, having 28 years of experience in the field. Um, uh-huh. What would you say is potentially the next five years for India? And I'm sorry, I'm not asking about NASA. The next five years about for India and where do you see us growing to? I think, uh, you know, India has a lot of potential. Um, you know, we're such a, we are such an old country, I should say that, uh, and has always been, you know, one of the brains in the world. Um, and uh, as you've heard, you know, the India had this brain drain where we all came here. And uh, so, but still, you know, India still is maintained as uh, one of the uh, very intellectual and intelligent, uh, you know, so it has, uh, it has uh, one of the, largest number of intelligent and intellectual people. So I think there's a lot of future for India. Uh, the politics, I think, kind of, you know, hinders that a little bit. Uh, but I still think that they can go forward. You know, I, I know I speak to colleagues around the world, especially with Russia and Japan, and they have such a high regard for people for, of Indian origin. And I was fortunate to, to get that kind of treatment also. Right, right. So what I would say is, you know, that they can be a little bit more competitive. Uh, instead of just catering to other people's space needs, they can have their own and work more on it. Uh, they have had great success with the Chandrayaan and everything. And so I just think that they need to move along uh, with that same spirit and that same commitment. And never stop, uh, in fact. You know, to invest, yeah, invest in their people and continue to uh, push them forward uh, to, uh, you know, look at uh, new horizons and, sure. you know, make people take risks. Right. I think that, I think humans uh, from India in space would be an awesome step yeah. for India. Why not? Why not, right? Listen, yeah. if Richard Branson can go to space, yes, of we, we can send somebody from here as well. Of um, course. I also want to kind of leave this off and kind of ask you more from an from an educational perspective. You've already beautifully mm-hmm. addressed the question when I asked you about how you, you treat other, other, other young women when they come to you for advice about a career in science mm-hmm. and, you know, in space travel and whatnot. Um, I, I would like to leave this off by asking you your little uh, two cents 
to the young out there. And and the reason I'm asking this is, advice could you possibly give them being in the industry and noticing mm-hmm. the trends about where we are moving towards in the next five, mm-hmm. ten years when it comes to uh, space exploration and whatnot. What should a person of today be focusing on to study and learn so that when we reach five to ten years from now, they are in the you know the, the best place to lap up all those opportunities and be the first in line to claim those opportunities? Sure. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at space travel, it's not just one discipline. You need math, science, you need chemistry, you need chemical engineering, you need materials, science, you need people who can write well. So that's English, literature, um, people who can take good pictures. Uh, You know, you want to make sure, you know, that uh, everything is captured really well. So that's, you can go from any discipline actually towards a space, uh, you know, career. The bottom line is you should be passionate about what you're doing and you also should become an expert in what you are doing. I think that really helps you. And also, uh, you know, in today's world, we don't have to tell the youngsters, but they do a lot of research on, you know, what do you have to do to get to a certain place? So I would say choose what you're passionate about and then go forward learning how to, you know, carve your path to Mm -hmm. the final goal that you want. So I wouldn't say, you know, restrict uh, anyone on uh, what you want to study, but, you know, make it, make it, uh, you know, something that you're passionate about and then uh, do everything possible to reach the goal, including talking to people (laughs) with experience. Awesome. I love it. I think that's the... That's beautiful advice. Dr. Judy Jeevarajan is, of course, uh, the Vice President and Executive Director um, of Research, Electrochemical Safety Research Institute at the uh, Underwriters Laboratories, Inc. It's been so awesome to chat with you. I think you're a role model for a lot of people out there, especially women who want to get into science. And uh, I want to really thank you for taking out the time through your busy schedule to actually chat with us. Here's to infinity and beyond. Oh, nice. Thank you, Kay. Uh, It was a pleasure talking to you too. And I can wholeheartedly say that once we're done with this, uh, India will have a problem because they have a high benchmark to reach. Uh, So Houston does not have a problem. (laughs) India has a high problem after listening to your story. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Nice talking to you today. Thank you so much for listening to this little episode of Tech for Change. You can find me, your host, K, on uh, Instagram. I'm probably the most active there at the rate off air with K. That is off air with K-A-Y. I'm going to be back next week for another episode of Tech for Change. And if you'd like to give us feedback, well, you as a listener can reach out to us on at the rate HT Smartcast on multiple platforms. We're present on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. Now to listen to more podcasts, make sure you log on to www.htsmartcast.com. I'll see you soon. Take care. This was a Radio 1 production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.